Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. This is an RNZ podcast. Hello, I'm Simon Morris. I came out of yet another huge but shallow movie a few weeks ago complaining, once again, about the storytelling. And I don't mean storytelling the way it's been used lately, when everyone from social media influencers to insurance salespeople refer to themselves as storytellers, then maybe the real thing needs a new name. I mean actual stories, well-crafted, character-based narratives with a satisfying conclusion, not overblown spectacles that can be summed up as one damn thing after another. You can't outrun who you really are. Who are you? Now, personally, I blame the advances in digital effects. If you can create armies of fantasy creatures and then simply blow them all up, that takes the pressure off trying to come up with something that makes sense. But a good story trumps special effects every time. Take the quest story, for instance. We're about to complete a great quest. The Holy Grail, Dr. Jones. Oh, rats. (laughs) This is it. The shield is the second marker. We found it. The quest, send your hero or heroine in search of something hard to find, has been the basis of everything from Monty Python and the Holy Grail to Indiana Jones looking for the same thing. Lord of the Rings is a quest. So's The Wizard of Oz, Avatar and Little Miss Sunshine. In fact, I'm struggling to think of a decent story that isn't a quest, unless it's a Cinderella story. Here's a laugh. This girl fancies herself a businessman. (laughs) Cinderella, it's only my love for your father, rest his soul, that stands between you and a life on the street. The Cinderella story, the triumph of that overlooked mousy person in the corner, has inspired stories as various as Harry Potter, The Hobbit, every high school story ever written, and, at a stretch, most Princess Diana stories. The punchline being that the humble caterpillar blossoms into a beautiful butterfly. You're a wizard, Harry. I'm a what? We are pleased to inform you that you have been accepted at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. Of course, a talented storyteller will build on these reliable foundations. What if the object of the quest turned out to be worthless, as it did in the Humphrey Bogart classic The Maltese Falcon? What if Cinderella's Prince Charming turned out to be Fifty Shades of Grey? My tastes are very singular. You wouldn't understand. Me, then. 
But I'm starting to think many current filmmakers aren't quite sure what a story is. At bottom, the rules of the classic, some say clichéd, three-act structure couldn't be simpler. Act one, chase a monkey up a tree. Act two, throw rocks at it. And act three, get it down again. Sorry, wrong guess, huh? Would you like to go for double jeopardy? Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? Yippee ki In other words, die hard, but make sure there's a point to the story at the end. Now, it doesn't have to be a moral as such, though that certainly worked for the stories most of us were brought up with. I brought you a special present. What is it? It was the book my father used to read to me when I was sick, and I used to read it to your father. And today, I'm going to read it to you. Don't eat other people's porridge. Don't wander off into the woods on your own. And don't accept so-called magic beans from anyone, no matter how plausible they are. These are pretty good punchlines. And without them, a story is a little lacking. I got a story for you Girl Scouts. Once upon a time, there was a magical place where it never rained. The end. <laughs> well, this week it's all about stories, a story about our obsessions with devices called Ron's Gone Wrong and antlers, a kind of horror take on the three bears. But first, one of the very first quest stories, The Green Knight. Who can regale me and my queen with some myth? If the original Sagawan and the Green Knight isn't quite as polished as most Arthurian stories, it was written long before most of them, sometime in the late 1300s. But it's the blueprint for many subsequent quests, the flawed hero and the initial simple task that gets fatally complex as it goes on. O oh, greatest of kings, let one of your knights... The movie Green Knight was written and directed by David Lowry, who made the extraordinary A Ghost Story a few years ago that featured Casey Affleck under a sheet for most of the film. This one opens on our hero, Garwin, waking up in a brothel on Christmas Day. Where are you going? To church. Why? A boot. Hello, Agnes. Garwin is the underachieving nephew of King Arthur, and after church he goes to the court presided over by Arthur, the always slightly creepy Sean Harris, and his wife Guinevere, the equally edgy Kate Dickey. Tell us a Christmas story, demands the king. Tell me a tale of yourself, so that I might know thee. Yet. You have none to tell yet. Well, be careful what you wish for. The door bangs open and in rides a green knight with a challenge. He invites anyone present to take their best shot at him. The catch is that in exactly one year, the knight should be allowed to do the same. 
indulge me in this game. I will lead thee. Like an idiot, but if he didn't, there'd be no story, Garwin volunteers and seems triumphant. But only briefly, the knight revives and tells him to meet him in a year at a remote green chapel. Garwin panics, but remembers it was just a game, wasn't it? Another year nearly gone already. You must seek him out. Was it not just a game? Perhaps. But it is not complete. But in chivalry, there's no such thing as just a game. So, Garwin takes his leave from his uncle the king, his mother the witch Morgan Le Fay, and he heads off with, as they would say 500 years later, a bad feeling about this. You'll find no mercy, no happy end. Why do you stop me? You do as I can. The Green Knight is similar in tone to a ghost story. It's slow and meditative rather than hurtling off in all directions. But it follows the path of all Arthurian quests as the hapless Garwin meets with various adventures, often coming off badly. You rest your bones. I'll finish your quest for you. He's set upon by thieves, led by sinister Irish actor Barry Keegan. He meets a lord with a secret agenda and a wife who looks strangely like Garwin's girlfriend back at the brothel. The fact that they're both played by Alicia Vikander is clearly significant. You are not yet. What? You are not yet. Not yet. Better hurry up. I've got time. I've got lots of time. There are strange, naked, giant women and talking foxes. And at journey's end, there's the terrifying green knight who seems to be made of ancient wood. In other words, you won't be bored when you watch it on Amazon Prime. I'm afraid the tag at the end of the trailer in theatres this summer was a little optimistic. One year hence. <laughs> It helps that Garwin himself is played by someone who's no stranger to the Quest movie. Dev Patel made his name in Slumdog Millionaire, where his quest ended on a TV quiz show, then went on to play Dickens' rags-to-riches hero, David Copperfield. And what do you hope to gain from facing all of this? Honour. Patel's Garwin is all too human, trying his best to do the right thing. But it's interesting where the film diverges from the original. In the poem, it all turns out to be a Christmas game after all. No harm done. I fear I'm not meant for greatness. We all fear. But fear can be a gift. But the movie Green Knight offers alternatives that question the ideas of happy endings and doing the right thing. It's thrilling, peculiar, frustrating, like watching someone inventing the whole idea of popular stories, which, in a way, it is. And as I say, you can find it on Amazon Prime. That is why Knight does what he does. 
Are you ready? For years and years, animated movies have been assumed to be predominantly aimed at kids. They're a safe pair of hands to put your offspring in front of, particularly if they feature a round, friendly-looking character on the poster, like Ron the Beebot. But posters can be deceptive. There's two kinds of people, Dad. The ones who have a Beebot and the ones who don't. Hey, guys. Oh, sorry, I'm in your shot. Oh, I have a filter for that. You Animation studios are often in the hands of comic book guys and girls who bitterly resent the idea that their art form is just for kids. So they go out of their way to include adult concerns in their films, or at least things that concern comic book adults. Well, no one told my audience. I found myself sharing a cinema with several four- or five-year-olds and their parents at Ron's Gone Wrong. Really? You need a bebot to have a social life? Yeah, Dad, kind of. I I don't want you addicted to some device. Ron's Gone Wrong first reminds us of our love of high-tech devices over the years, those alluring doodickies that connect us to the internet, that link us to social media, viral memes, and, of course, reality TV. But what if a new, exciting device could replace all these gadgets? Introducing the Beebot. It connects you to the world like never before. Express yourself. Imagine without limits. Imagine without limits. It's like a world entirely created by and for advertising, you'd think. Well, maybe not you, but certainly me. Everything in this wonderful new world looked like a nightmare. Create, play, and enter a new world of friendship. The Beebot. Let's make friends. Wow. Anyway, everyone at middle school has one of these things connecting them with each other. Everyone but Barney, the school loser. Eventually, though, his dim dad and his embarrassingly Russian grandmother go and get, if not a bebot, then a cheapo knockoff. What could possibly go wrong? Hi, Barney. I'm your best friend out of my box. Well, in this case, the answer is damaged goods Ron, the broken Beebot. He keeps getting things wrong in a series of hilarious mishaps. These riffs on the concepts of friend request, like me, and the phrase all of these online devices use that's even more annoying. No problem. You're not online? So how am I supposed to fix that? No problem. I'll scan my database to find out how to do it. Oh, great. Cool. The answer to your question is on the Bubble Network. Now, this may or may not seem the sort of thing that appeals to you, but it certainly missed the mark with the audience it got at my neighbourhood Bijou Cinema. I was too old to feel anything more than techno-frustration at Ron's amusing antics and wondered when Barney was going to chuck him in the bin. Okay, Ron, a bunch of your code is missing. You're supposed to know everything about me. Hair, brown. Height, 4'11". 5'11 would be better. Girls would not laugh at you. Hey! My five-year-old neighbours, on the other hand, were too young for all the knowing references to Steve Jobs, Instagram, the cloud and the rest. They just wanted where the story had got to. I have no mega safety controls and stuff. Copy him. Find that code. Unlock, 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 unlock. <laughs> 
better look into that. You think? I totally sympathised. The rules of this world are pretty simple. Barney's ostracised by the mean girls and school bullies for not having the right sort of bebot, but he and Ron form an unlikely friendship. But having established these rules, Ron's gone wrong doesn't seem to have a clue what to do next. No problem. Traditionally, a high school comedy like this should end with Barney, the most popular kid in school, while Ron the Bebot has an affair with a lawnmower or something. If Steven Spielberg had made it, the kids would all scrap their devices, who needs them, and go fishing. But here, well, let me say it doesn't do either of those. Does Barney need friends? Well, yeah. Or, fun fact, he will not survive middle school. Ron's Gone Wrong is the debut of a new British animated studio, which may explain the presence in the voice cast of Olivia Colman playing, believe it or not, the Russian grandmother. For a film that too often feels like it was actually made by computers, it's only right that this most human of actors should have the best line. How else do you fix a gadget that isn't working? Maybe turn it off and on again. Every time I end up at a horror film like this week's Antlers, it was the opening film for the popular Terrify Festival, I keep promising myself that I'll weasel out of the next one. Not my sort of thing is putting it mildly, even when, particularly when, they're done well. Who watches these things for pleasure, I wonder? Big Bear, you should take care of the little bears. But Big Bear got sick. Lost his job, and his insides turned black. Not me, obviously, though sometimes beggars can't be choosers. The only alternative offered this weekend was the even more grisly-looking Halloween reboot. At least Antlers boasts good creative talent. Producer Guillermo del Toro and the director of Crazy Heart, Scott Cooper. It's, it's very good, Lucas. But they had each other. Well, you couldn't get further away from Jeff Bridges as a country star than Antlers, though it's set in rural working-class America. Oregon, in fact. For some reason, many scary films are set in northwest USA these days. All those dripping scary trees, maybe. Our heroine, Julia, is a teacher trying to excite her new class about storytelling. As she points out to the bored students, many of whom are Native Americans, many local myths and legends come from these people. What is storytelling? Storytelling started with our indigenous people. Can anyone give me an example of a myth you don't know the half of it, sister. Most trouble boy in the class is Lucas, a boy who seems to obsess over strange stories, which he renders in graphic, scary drawings. He's particularly interested in wild beasts. Or a story they're afraid of. 
Lucas. Julia is convinced that these stories and pictures are Lucas externalising some sort of abuse at home. She shares her doubts with her brother Paul, who's a cop. But Paul's got his own problems, a series of savagely murdered bodies around the township. What's going on? We found a part of a man in the woods today. Part of the man? I guess the other half was found in the mine... Until now, the only local crime had been a growing meth problem. Murders like these are new and alarming. Judy is played by Kerry Russell, who's usually seen in domestic dramas and comedies. She certainly gives the film some credibility, as does the omnipresent Jesse Clemens as her brother Paul. All this has got to be an animal, right? No animal I've ever seen. But we've already been set up for something not us lurking around Lucas's family home. The only question is, what are we dealing with here? Vampires? Werewolves? Mummies? It's not Bigfoot, is it? Something is going on with Lucas. These drawings belong to a student of mine. This is what was in the mine. No, it isn't, but we should have known where this could be heading when, shortly after Julia raised the subject of the myths of Indigenous people, retired Sheriff Graham Greene shows up. No, not the late English novelist, the Native American actor. It's a diabolical spirit. Excuse me, this is a myth. For you, yeah. And once we start accepting the reality of things beyond our ken, things with antlers, needless to say, it's simply a case of blundering around in the dark, hoping to find them. Or, if you're lucky, not finding them. He's not your responsibility. He has no one. He is my responsibility. This is comfortable territory for producer Guillermo del Toro. Myths, monsters and young children. It's less so for writer-director Scott Cooper, but he brings an authentic blue-collar flavour to antlers that makes it that much more unsettling. He's here. It's a monster movie, there's no two ways about it. And if that's your sort of thing, it's better made than most. They've optimistically left the storyline open enough for a sequel that I hope they don't make, or at least don't invite me to. And as the villagers grab their torches and pitchforks and head to the spooky old house on the hill, it's time to go. I'm Simon Morris, and I hope you'll join me at the movies same time next week. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.